Today we look at Judges chapter 13 and 14, and, and it's an interesting story about uh, a light that simply went out, and uh, a light that diminished. And uh, his name is Sonny, but uh, got renamed Samson. Maybe you know his wife. He didn't marry too well. Delilah. And uh, used to be a lady on the radio years ago. Delilah on the radio. That's uh, still is? Boy, she's got to be up there. All right? She's drawn Social Security and on the radio. All right. Don't, don't drop anything. <laughs> Someone drops a phone and they call EMS. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Somebody described Russia in this way, the country of Russia. It is a riddle wrapped up in a mystery. Now think about that. A riddle wrapped up in a mystery. And that was Sir Winston Churchill and uh, described Russia in that way. And you and I could also look at this Judge Samson. He's really the last great judge of Israel. Let me take you back in time and talk about, about what was going on during this time. Canaan or Israel is a very troubled area of the world during this time period. During this time period, there are all kinds of tribes and they're divided up in all these tribes. And these tribes are battling and fighting for territory. And so, whenever the people of God were faced with the enemy, God would raise up a champion. Now, there is no judge, probably besides Gideon, that's so well known. Samson's known because he's the Hercules of the Old Testament. Strong, he's got strength. And he had strength because the Spirit of God was on his life. Uh, when there was trouble, the Bible says that Samson would shake himself and the Spirit of God would come upon him. And I'll tell you one of the most frightening things about Samson is that at the end of his life, when the enemies came against him, he would shake himself but the Spirit of God did not come down on him. And so he went into battle without the Spirit of God at the end of his life. And you know the story how he died. He was taken by the Philistines, taken by the enemy. His eyes were gouged out. He was shackled to a grinding mill. And so he had one last burst of energy. Really committed a suicidal act. And so his, his life ends a very tragic way. But at the beginning of his life, he is God's man. Full of power. Full of strength. Full of energy. Man, the power of God is just all over him. So, let's read here chapter 13. I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. And then we'll look at verse 24. Judges 13 1 through 5. Now the sons of Israel, look at this next word, again 
did evil in the sight of the Lord, so that the Lord gave them into the hands of the Philistines forty years. There is a certain man of Zorah, of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had borne no children. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold now, you are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and give birth to a son. Now therefore, be careful not to drink wine or strong drink, nor eat any unclean thing. For behold, you shall conceive and give birth to a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. For the boy shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Stop there. Now look at verse number 24. Judges 13, 24. Then the woman gave birth to a son and named him Samson. And the child grew up, and the Lord blessed him. By the way, verse 25 that follows, and the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him. I like that phrase that God's Spirit began to stir in his life. I was telling Dr. Callis up there that I'm taking some steroids now, and and on taking those steroids, if you've ever done that, you've got all kinds of energy. You know? You, you just feel like, boy, I, man, I can, I can clean the house at 2 in the morning, and you know, you've got all kinds of energy. But you also can't sleep. And so you're jacked up all the time. But I want to tell you, when, when you're stirred by the Spirit of God, you've got all kinds of power and energy that you did not know that you had. Two things about Samson, though, as we're going to look at his life, he was unpredictable. That's never been something said about me. And then he was also undependable. In other words, he was, I call it a yo-yo, yo-yo kind of Christian. Down and up. Down and up. James chapter 1 verse 8. Might be a commentary on his life. James chapter 1 verse 8 says, Being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. I want to tell you, if you're on the fence, when it comes to your commitment to God, you are a double-minded man. Double-minded. It means that your thought process is over here in the world and up here in heaven. You and I need that single laser focus on what God wants us to be and do. Someone said the greatest ability, the greatest ability that we can have would be dependability. Don't you love folks that you can call and you can just count on them. I'm going to tell you one of the things I've learned to do is that when someone says, Richard, will you pray for me? I write that down. I try to record that because if I tell someone I'm going to pray for you, 
I want them to know I'm going to be faithful to stand in the gap for you. I have chosen my prayer partners very well through the years. I know who to call on to pray. Because I want dependability. I want them to follow through. In fact, if you ask me to pray for you, I'm going to wear you out. Because I'm going to send you an email, I'm going to send you a text, I'm going to call you on the phone. Hey, how you doing? Do you know how many times this week I've answered that question? How you doing, Richard? How you doing? I, I want to get one of these signs and just walk around with it. You know, I think I'm fine, I'm okay. But again, it just shows great love and concern. So, given the name Samson, and that name means, as LaRoe said, the name defined means sunny. Yet he ended up in darkness at the end of his life. How many folks have a good beginning, but then somewhere along the way the light flickers and goes out? I heard a Pentecostal friend. You know, Pentecostal preachers, they are just wild. You know, man, they shuck the corn and shell the peas. Man, they are just, man, they can preach. This Pentecostal preacher told me one time, he said, it's not how high you jump when you get saved, but it's how straight you walk when you hit the ground. I've always remembered that. It's not how high you go, but it's how straight that you walk. On Sunday night, Wendy Knox is teaching a class in discipleship now called In the Valleys of Life. Do you know how many times there's a valley mentioned in the Bible? Man, there are valleys all through the Bible. Times when God's people have to go through the valley. But aren't you glad that the psalmist said in Psalm 23 that even though I go, now listen, go through the valley of the shadow. Oh, I'm glad we don't stay in the valley. God takes us through valleys, but He always has a way of seeing us through to the other side. Alright, Sonny, Samson. I want us to look at three pictures of his life today that we're going to find in chapter 13 and also over in chapter 14. Here we go. Picture number one there on your outline. He was a child with unbelievable promise. Unbelievable promise. Now remember, back in chapter 13, the Bible says that Zorah, this man from the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah and his wife, they were barren. Barren. So that was a very tragic thing in that day and time. In fact, if you were barren back then, the question was, what did you do wrong? Because... They thought if you were blessed by God, you'd be blessed with a child. And so here they are, barren, so they're crying out for a child. And then all of a sudden, there is an appearance, and there's a word from God. The angel of the Lord shows up and says, you're going to have a child. This child's going to be an unbelievable man in the nation for Canaan. Now, 
This promise was so important because there was a nation that needed to be protected. Again, in chapter 13, verse 1, the enemy now is the Philistines. Who in the world are the Philistines? Well, when you think about the Philistines, what big old guy do you think about? Goliath. Goliath, right. Do y'all remember the old cartoon years ago from the Lutheran church? Davy and Goliath. Y'all remember that? What was the song they played at the beginning of that show every week? A mighty fortress is our God. Here's a great little cartoon. It was a, a claymation, or it looked like that, yeah. But that, that storyline, and, and the dog was named Goliath. Davy and Goliath. But you know, Goliath was a Philistine, but there were a lot of giants from Philistia. They were a sea-going people. They kind of were there on the coast of Israel where Tel Aviv would be today. They were known as great warriors. And the Bible says in verse number 1, 40 years. I don't know about you, but that seems about the time period we've been in Afghanistan. I think about that war. Long time. Anyway, they were troubled 40 years. These Philistines were dominating Israel. And so, Samson is raised up as child of promise to protect the nation. Now, this is not a political statement, but a fact. You and I are blessed today with the protection and the hand of God around our country. Ain't no doubt about that. There is a president, there is a military, there is a Congress, but without God intervening, you and I don't have any protection. I'm glad that God has smiled on America and favored us in such a way. Alright, also, verses 2 through 5, they had a God that they were supposed to serve. Notice, you find this phrase in verses 2 through 5, it is the angel of the Lord in verse number 3. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman. Who is this angel of the Lord? Well, as you read on this, this story, in fact, uh, you can look over at verse number 18. Look at verse 18. But the angel of the Lord said to him, why do you ask my name? Seeing it is... What's the next word? Wonderful. Wonderful. And then in verse number 20, when the angel of the Lord goes back into heaven, it says, For it came about when the flame went up from the altar toward heaven, that the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar when Manoah and his wife saw this. They fell on their face, faces to the ground. Now I want to tell you what I think. This is just my commentary on this. I believe that sounds a whole lot like Jesus to me. I believe that angel of the Lord was the pre-incarnate Christ. In fact, you can look in your Bible to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, and it says that Jesus will be called the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Prince of Peace. 
Here is the pre-incarnate Son of God, Jesus, who shows up in a flame of fire going back up into heaven. Did He do that again? Oh yeah! Over there in Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire! But there was a fourth man in the fire too, wasn't there? I tell you, Jesus shows up at the most opportune time. Well, I've got to go on, alright? He also had a home that He was going to honor. Look at verse number 12. Verse 12. In verse 12 it says, Manoah said, When your words come to pass, what shall the boy's mode of life and his vocation? Verse number 12 in chapter 13 talks about Samson was to honor his faith and the vows of his family. In other words, I think in verse number 12 that this boy's vocation... Now listen to me, I'm going somewhere with this. This boy's vocation was to honor his mom and his dad and his family. You and I need to instill this. And I, I tell you, I'm an old man. Getting older every day. But here's what I believe. One of the great lessons missing today is that we need to teach younger people. And we need to get this across to them. Your great responsibility is to honor your family name. Don't bring anything upon your family name that would be dishonoring to God or dishonoring to your family. I was in uh, Dr. Reinhardt's office and you know, they ask you all these questions about, about your family history. And so, you know, you're trying to think about your mom and your dad and your grandfather and, and your aunts and your uncles and, you know, what kind of medical problems they had and what's wrong with them and what happened to them. And, and so I'm there trying to recall all that. God reminded me of something. My grandfather's name was Richard Humphreys. My father's name was Richard Humphreys. I'm the third. And because of that, I have great respect for that name. And I don't want to do anything in my life that would dishonor that name. But more than that, I am a child of the King. Jesus lives and reigns in this heart. And because of that, I don't want to do anything to dishonor the name Christian. I belong to Him. And so I think there's a great lesson in that for you and I. So, here's Samson. A child of promise. He was to protect. He was to serve. He was to honor his family. And you and I can take that today. You and I can say that all of us are children of promise and all of us have a potential that God has put in our life. Okay, let's move on. Number two. Not only a child with unbelievable promise, but number two, he was a champion with undefeatable power. A champion with undefeatable power. And here's the reason why. Chapter 13, verse 24 and 25. Then a woman gave birth to a son and named him 
Samson or Sonny. And the child grew up and the Lord blessed him. Look at the last part of verse 24. Who blessed? The Lord blessed him. And then this first part of 25. And the Spirit, and in my Bible that's capitalized, and the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him. I know I've said this before, but in my, my life in ministry, I, I remember writing some sermons through the years that I thought were quite good. I thought were quite clever. And I thought, boy, man, this, this looks like dynamite on paper. And I get up behind the pulpit and they just fall flat. I mean, it's like crickets out there. God always has to remind me. It's not by might, it's not by your power, but it's by my Spirit. When the Spirit of God stirs in a life, it's obvious. Samson had unusual power and unusual strength because the Lord blessed him. The hand of God was on him in a very special way. The secret of Samson's power was his Nazarite vow. A Nazarite vow. That's back in verse number 5. Verse number 5, For behold, you shall conceive and give birth to a son, and no razor shall come upon his head, for the boy shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. He shall begin to deliver Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Alright. What was a Nazarite vow? Well, they were going to do two or three things. One, they were not going to cut their hair. You say, why, why the long hair? Well, it's because when someone looked at them, they would say, well, that's a Nazarite. Because the hair, long and flowing... You know, I've seen those movies before of Samson. He has this long, curly hair. He's always a good-looking guy, you know, in the movies. But I want to tell you something. When they saw Samson coming, they knew he was a Nazarite. There was, catch this, an outward sign of an inward commitment. What we call that? We call that baptism, don't we? An outward sign of an inward commitment. Not only that, he was also not to drink anything from the vine. No alcohol. No liquor. He was to be pure and not to drink anything from the vine. In fact, if you look in your Bible to Judges chapter 16. Look over there to chapter 16. Let me show you one verse over here. Judges 16. And look at verse number 17. Judges 16, 17. So he told her all that was in his heart and said to her, A razor has never come on my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I am shaved, then my strength will leave me, and I will become weak and be like any other man. So Samson told Delilah, Cut my hair! I'm going to lose my strength. Was the power in the hair? Absolutely not. 
The power was in the vow and the commitment that he made to God. Is the power in the water of baptism? Absolutely not. Is the power in a communion cup? Absolutely not. Is the power in church membership? No. The power is that you pray, Dear God, I am a sinner. I am done. I am unclean. I am lost. I am hellbound. And I give my life to you because Calvary paid it all. That's the difference. That's the difference. It's in the vows that we make to God. Now, let's talk about the strength of Samson. I love these stories. In chapter 14, verses 5 and 6, he kills a lion bare-handed. I mean, just rips a lion apart. And then in chapter 15, verses 3 through 5, and I'm just going to run through these quickly. Samson goes out and he catches 300 foxes. 300 foxes. And what does he do with them? He takes 300 foxes, ties their tails together, lights them on fire, and uses it for a torch. That is one bad dude that can do that. And then in chapter 15, he slays 1,000 men with the jawbone of a donkey. Does he have power? Absolutely. <coughs> Joseph Parker said of Samson, he was an elephant in strength, but a babe in weakness. I think again, that's a good commentary. Now, <clears throat> let, me, let me lay this on you. What kind of power do you need in your life to defeat the enemy that you face every day? Now, maybe your enemy is fear. Maybe your enemy is lack of self-confidence. Maybe your enemy is an addiction to something. It, it may be uh, food. It may be... TV, it may be pornography, it may be a lot of... Whatever that enemy is in your life, God will be faithful to give you power to defeat that enemy. I promise you that. You know, when you are connected... Now listen, there's, there's power in being connected not only to God by faith, but to one another. Man, listen, we're, we're the body of Christ. When I, when I come in here and, and, and I see people, I'm, I'm just amazed at the strength that we find from one another. Had a couple from Lugov show up this week. And, and uh, they're supposed to be visiting today. They're members of First Baptist Church in Lugov. And they came this week and they wanted to tour the church. So they came in and, and uh, they wanted to tour and Sandy Greer was busy and I said, well, hey, I can do a tour of the church. I'll be glad to do that. So I took them on a tour. Again, they're, they're from Lugoff. They went to a small church there in Lugoff. And they walked into the sanctuary here. And they went like this. <laughs> when their mouth was just open, they, they were just so amazed. And, and they looked at the pipes from that pipe organ. 
And they, their mouth was just down. They saw those pipes and, and they said, oh, it would be just a thrill to come on Sunday and, and to hear that great choir and to hear that organ and, and that would just be so wonderful. And then we're walking, it's like on Thursday or Tuesday, I think it's Tuesday, we're walking out of the sanctuary on Tuesday. And guess who's right out there in the hallway? Charlton Bozart, our church organist. I said, hey, Charlton, I said, you got five minutes? <laughs> I said, these folks would love a five-minute concert. So he came in there and played the organ for them. They just thrilled, thrilled. You know what they said? That is a powerful organ. I want to tell you, you and I, we can have that power to defeat whatever we're facing, just like Samson if we are in the Spirit of God in our life. Alright, third and last thing. Let, let me be good, alright? Can I be good here? Tell, tell everybody I did this, alright? Tell them I took a drink, alright. Well, that'll get the rumors going on. Well, our teacher in there, Brother Richard, he's gone to drinking now he took a drink. Change my name to Otis, wouldn't they? All right. <laughs> All right. Third, third and last here. There's a man with unreliable character. And this, this kind of sad thing about Samson. If you look in chapter 14, now look in chapter 14. And let me read verses 8 and 9. When he returned later to take her, he turned aside to look at the carcass of the lion. Behold, a swarm of bees and honey were in the body of the lion. So he scraped the honey into his hands and went on eating as he went. When he came to his father and mother, he gave them some to them and they ate it. But he did not tell them that he had scraped the honey out of the body of the lion. I hope it's been a while since you had breakfast, alright? But I'm going to tell you what happened here. Remember I told you that Samson killed this lion with his bare hands? Well, sometime after that, he comes back by the carcass. Dead, rotting carcass of the lion. It's filthy. It's rotting. It stinks. And some bees had come in there and the bees had built a beehive inside the carcass of this dead lion. So Samson goes over there and scoops up the honey out of the honeycomb in the carcass of this dead animal. Yeah, and eats that honey. Not only that, but he takes that honey and he gives it to his family. Well, here's the point. Samson went to something that was rotted and something that was dead and something that was unclean and took from that and not only consumed it himself, but gave to his family. And here's the point. When you and I in life go and do something and it contaminates our spiritual life, we are about that far away from contaminating others. Joe Mack, that's why it's so important that what happens at the State House 
that we pray about what goes on up there. And that we pray for senators. And we pray for government. And we pray for a president because if something unclean goes on down the street, it's not far from the church house. Are you with me on that? And that's why that when something is contaminated, you and I need to stay miles away from it. Samson had unreliable character because he went to something that was unclean. Uh, do you remember back in chapter 13? Look at chapter 13, verse number 7. We didn't read this, but look at verse number 7. But he said to me, Behold, you shall conceive and give birth to a son, and now you shall not drink wine or strong drink, nor eat any unclean thing. I don't know about you, but do you think that honey was unclean? Absolutely. It's in the rotted carcass of a dead lion. And then it goes on to say, For the boy shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. Again, unreliable character. He broke his vows. Broke his vows. Let me wrap this up, alright? Samson, this judge... Sunny. The light flickered and the light went out of his life. He had unbelievable promise, undefeatable power, but that unreliable character cost him. Cost him in the end. Matthew chapter 5. If I could get you to look there real quick, we'll close with this passage. Matthew chapter 5. I always like for you to either write these down. I know I gave it to you. Look at these Scriptures. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. Listen to what Jesus said. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works. And here's the important thing. And glorify your Father who is in heaven. Let me close by talking about two men that were really, really fundamental in a revival movement in our country turn of the century, turn of the 19th to the 20th century. There was no man like D.L. Moody as far as preaching the Word of God with power. Dwight L. Moody, someone said about him, he was so uneducated that when he got up to speak, you knew it was God speaking through him because he had no formal training. Charles Spurgeon said of Moody that he's the only guy that could say Jerusalem in one syllable. He, he was that unarticulate. Dwight Moody, though, just had the power of God in his life. Moody had a music evangelist. His name was Ira Sankey. Sankey would lead music and Moody would preach with power. One of Dwight L. Moody's favorite hymns that he always had Ira Sankey sing was this old hymn called Let the Lower Lights Be Burning. And that old hymn 
was written when someone looked at a harbor. They were looking at a harbor, much like Charleston Harbor. And they said, there are always two lights that guide a ship in the harbor. There's an upper light so that you don't hit the coast on that side. And then there's a lower light so that you don't hit. And those two lights, the upper light, the lower light, would guide you into harbor. Dwight L. Moody always said that the upper light is Jesus and He always burns bright. But you and I are the lower lights. And that old hymn says, Brightly beams our Father's mercy from His lighthouse evermore, but to, but to us He gives the keeping of the lights along the shore. And then that old famous chorus, let the lower lights be, be, be burning. And then the last part of that hymn says this, Some poor fainting, struggling seamen, you may rescue, you may save. Alright, let's pray together. Father, I love Your Word today. Lord, I, I just love the message about Samson. God, tragic in the end, but just such a man of promise at the beginning. Father, as you and I think about, or as we think about our lives today, God, as we think about walking from this church today and how that we are to be that witness for you, I pray, God, that our lives would be beaming brightly for you today. Uh, Lord, I ask today, God, that what vows we made on the inside, God, would be powerful and energized by the Spirit that. Lord, there would be an outward sign of that inward commitment. Lord, I pray today that now You bless us in worship. God, may You give us strength that we can go and serve You this week in a mighty way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Y'all have a wonderful day.